Thank you for allowing us to be free to worship. We love the land. We love the God. Please be with us as we go through this day and make us remember that we are here for you. Amen. All right. What a blessing. Get my Bible out. All right. You guys ready? Yeah? All right. So David has been living in caves. Can you think what that would be like for you? Living in caves. It would probably be not as hard for him as it is for some of us. Uh, personally, I'm attached to running water and, and, and plumbing, indoor plumbing. Um, but uh, David would not have been used to those things. So, But still, he's been living in caves. He's on the run. It seems that he's hungry. It seems that he's worried about dying at every other moment. God has provided Saul into David's hands twice, and yet he, rightfully so, refuses to kill Saul because Saul is still the anointed king. So David is left with a decision to make. Do I continue to hide in these caves? Do I continue to fear for my life or do I run get out of these caves and seek refuge in the land of my enemies and that's the decision he's, he's working with he's in that first passage of, of, of 27 one of these days, I'll be destroyed by the hensaw. Best thing I can do, he decides to do, best thing I can do is run into the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines are the enemy. They're the people that Saul will be at war with the entire career. David will destroy the Philistines. These are not people that he wants to go to. But he's going to go into the land of the Philistines. Now, as he's thinking about this question, you got to wonder what's going through his mind. I mean, is going to the land of the Philistines a sin? No. No, it's not. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you cannot move into this land. In fact, part of the promised land, way back when you talked to Abraham, included the Philistine land. But they didn't conquer it. And so, it's not a choice of sin or don't sin. This is a choice, like so many of us in our lives face, it's a choice about that what's the best for my life? I mean, we, we, we can, it's easy for us to choose between sin or not sin, right? Don't sin. We know gossip is wrong. Don't gossip. 
We know it's wrong to kill, don't kill. We know it's wrong to covet, don't covet. We know it's wrong to look at porn, that's lust, don't look at porn. It's, we don't always make the right choice. The choice is easy though. We don't have the follow through often with that choice, but we, but we, we know. I mean, you've read your Bibles, you know what's a sin and what not. And if you're counting, you say, well, that's not in the Bible. It doesn't say I can't look at uh, images on my iPhone. Well, you might be getting legalistic there looking for loopholes. We've talked about this. But he's, he's not, but he, so we know that the fall is, but, but neither choice is a sin. And, and one of the things that we struggle with in our lives, I know I've struggled with it, I'm sure you struggle with it too. What do you do, how do you choose when neither is a sin? David chooses to go into the land of the Philistine, is granted Ziglag, a city where he lives for uh, 16 months. You know, this, this choice, this, this passage, when I, as I read it, it reminds me a lot of that passage, Abraham and Lot. You guys remember that passage? Abraham and Lot are moved together, they're living together, and they've both got lots of shepherds and, and sheep, and, and the land won't, just will not provide for both of their herds. And the shepherds are starting to fight with each other because there's not enough grass and not enough feed, and, and they're just... And so Abraham looks at Lot and says, you choose. If you go left, I'm going to go right. If you go right, I'm going to go left. And Abraham goes the opposite direction. Lot looks around and says, well, this land over here is good to eat, you know, good. And it's right by Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, but it's good land. It's good. I'm going to go that way. It's land that Abraham's not been uh, interested in. And so he goes that way. And, um, and so it wasn't a sin for him to choose that direction. That is not a sin. Now, when we see Lot again, we know that he may not have made the best decision for himself because instead of living outside the city, you're running the sheep, he's actually inside the city of Sodom that's about to get destroyed. Um, and he's ha- left with very difficult decisions and uh, how do I run away and, uh, and looking back and uh, all these wonderful things that we know that would not have happened if he would have made maybe a better decision. But it wasn't a sin for him to choose that, that way. And David doesn't sin when he chooses to go to the Philistines for, to save his life. But this passage leads us to think that it probably wasn't the best decision he could make. As we read on in, um, in the passage, he goes up and, um, and, and he goes into the land and he's fighting for the Philistines. He, he, he doesn't just go into the land. He actually becomes a mercenary and fights for the Philistines. And he goes into whatever they say... Um, and, and it says that he kills, he says he did not leave a man or a woman alive as he fought into these things. 
Now, the idea of killing everything is probably somewhat a hyperbole. Hyperbole means exaggeration. Why do we know it's probably an exaggeration? Well, because someone's telling the story. Um, there's people to inform because they are left to inform on us. They're telling other people. There's gossip being spread about this. So we know it's probably hyperbole. But we do know that he, what that means is he's not sparing women, children, adults. He just goes in and kills whoever gets in his way. If they fight back, they die. And this should trouble you. This passage is not something we're supposed to just write off and say, well, he was David. He's not doing anything wrong. That's, it's supposed to make us go, what's going on here? This is supposed to be a hard passage. If you're like, oh, well, he's, they had it coming. They should have kicked him out long ago, and this is just the way it's supposed to be. Then maybe you ought to check yourself. Because this is supposed to be hard. Men, women, children, all dying, everything. It's supposed to make you go, what's going on here? It even says that David became an utter stench as he was being, and that's the word they use, stench. He was being praised in the cities. He was being honored as king. He was being brought in and they were glorifying him. Now, it says, David said to himself, is David, he has become an, uh, so um, some of these people, some of the verses say obnoxious. I know that's what it says on the board, obnoxious. The word there is stench. It might say odious. It might say um, uh, right, uh, so revolting. The idea is it's such a strong smell you want to vomit. And it says you become so obnoxious to his people, the Israelites. That's what David has become. Probably not the best decision he could have made. So the choice to go to the Philistines wasn't a sin itself, but it put him in a place where it wasn't the wisest thing he could have done. And as I think of this passage, I think we, we face these kind of decisions all the time, don't we? It's not like one is a sin and one is not a sin. It's just what's the best, what will bring the most glory to God, what will put the best me in the best position for my life later on. All these things, they come to our minds and we don't have the answers. And I wish, as I was preparing this sermon, I really wished I could have come up with an A, B, C, or a one, two, three. Um, I read a few of those. And you know what they did to me? They left me empty. Because life is messy. And when we simplify it to A, B, C, one, two, threes, we oversimplify issues, and, and then you start saying things like, well, one, two, three, A, B, C, but that didn't work because it's too simple. Life is messy. 
It's difficult. It's hard. And too often we choose, we treat life like there's one choice that God wants for us and, our, 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 uh, and everything else is a sin. Think about your, your uh, some of you are married. Some of you thought, well, there's one person in my life and I choose that, well, the other person, it's a sin. That's not really how God works. God gives plenty of example of how to choose a wise woman. Some of us are good at that, some of us are not. But it doesn't say there's just one person. Nowhere in the Bible does it say there's one person. God has made one person. We get this idea from Adam and Eve. Well, he made it split us apparently in twain. And we're trying to fill that match. And so we got this idea in our head that there's just one person out there that will fulfill our every desires and everyone else is a sin. And if you're unhappy with your marriage, it's because you chose the wrong person. That's just not what the Bible tells us. That's just not how it works. And we like, we, a lot of times we treat our, our, our decisions like, well, if I choose the wrong thing, then I'm going to sin. But a lot of times in our lives, we know life is messy, so there's multiple paths we can take. And some are good, and some are bad, and some of them will lead to the bad, like Lot Lee uh, sitting in, in Sodom, and some just aren't the best decision. And what we're really trying to find is what do we mean, what's the best decision, isn't it? Isn't that really what we're asking? Just what's the best decision I can make? Excuse me. But the Bible lays out a plan for us to get the best decisions. And unfortunately, it's not an ABC one, two, three. What the Bible lays out a plan for us is walking day by day in the life of Christ. Day by day, honoring God, seeking to honor Him with all that we do. All that we do. Whether that's the food we eat, or the sex we have, or the don't have, or the The way we do church or the way we sing or the way you drive down the, car, the street. Yes, I know cars are not in the Bible. But it's about living to give the wisdom of God in our lives. And the wisdom of Christ isn't always easy to come by. The Bible does say surrender to God or seek ye first, which is the most decision. That decision to say, you know what? God is king. He's already king. I need to acknowledge him as king. I can't make him king in my life. He's already king. I'm going to follow his kingship. 
And that's the most, that's the most important. Is that you can't walk in Christ if he's not the king of your life. If, you're not, if you have not acknowledged his kingship, you can't follow Christ in that case. And all other decisions in life come from that decision. Putting God first and seeking his righteousness in our life. And so he says, we must follow the path of wisdom. And he lays it out for us in passages. Like Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fool despise wisdom and destruction. What a fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. That doesn't mean I'm sitting here shaking my Lord. So it might be. It's I respect. I put God in his proper place as king. He's not my pal, though sometimes we can talk to Jesus in a very relaxed way. Thank God we can call him father, right? Abba, father. But we still acknowledge he is higher than us. He is God. You might be at the place where sup God is where you're at, but we still have to make sure we acknowledge that he is God. That doesn't mean you have to, oh, heavenly father, thou art holy. Because we always speak in King James when we're being reverent, don't we? And it's about acknowledging that he is the king of our lives. He's king already. We need to follow him. And with the beginning of that is saying, putting God in his proper place. He is the king, the creator of the universe, Lord of lords. Proverbs 2, uh, 2 through 6. Turn your ears to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry out for understanding, and if you look for... Uh, Look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from the mouth. It comes, and knowledge comes from understanding. What an interesting passage. That means, uh, that passage right there tells us we have to search for it. We have to, here's a, a scary word, I know, work it's it's not something that it's just going to if I just lay here with my head on my Bible and open myself up to the world and breathe deep God is going to bless me with insight that's not what the Bible teaches you the Bible teaches us we must search for it. In fact, it says we've got to meditate on the, the Lord day and night. Meditate on His Word day and night. Which does not mean you sit in the, in, a, in the lotus position going, um. It means you're focusing, you're muttering it. You're, you're, it's going through your mind day and night. What does this mean? What, and sometimes you wrestle with those passages and you're, what does this mean? How do I apply this passage in my life? What about this bit of wisdom? How does that work out? And it's messy and it's not fun all the time and sometimes we don't want to do it. But it's what he's called for us to do. We search for it as for hidden treasure. 
Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. I love that passage right there. He will make your path straight, some translation says. Surrender to what God says and do it. That's... See, it's not often, a lot of times we're saying, well, what about this big decision I've got coming up? You know what? You will never be faithful with a big decision if you're not being faithful with the little decisions. Because it's not about those extraordinary moments in your life. It's about being faithful of all the little moments. And when we're faithful of all those little moments, where we seek to give God the honor and the glory and the power and we say you are the king of my life and I'm going to honor you with everything I say with everything that comes out of my mouth with the thoughts in my head with the way I treat other people if I'm going to be honoring you God if I'm going to do that then those big decisions that come up you know what a lot of times they don't seem so big because we're already honoring God with the little things and we can see those signs. And we know that whatever we decide, if we're honoring God with the small things, whatever you decide with those big things, it's going to be okay. See, what happens if I make a wrong decision? I didn't use my wisdom this time. Well, we live with it. And we become honoring God and our situation as it becomes. And like David, who eventually turns his life around and stops being a stink to his nation, or like Lot, who leaves Sodom because it gets destroyed, and he has an inter- interesting uh, incest incident that is not good, and, but he later on becomes... We have to work through it. Sometimes these moments, if you don't use God's wisdom in the little things, then we find ourselves... Because, you know, like Lot, he doesn't find himself in Sodom overnight. It's not like he just said, I'm going to go down that way and then I'm going to live in the city. He says, I'm going to go this way because the land is good for my sheep. And then I bet you he went into the city for a little supplies. And then he stayed a little longer. And then he made some friends. And he, and he was wise. He s- it says he's sitting at the gates, which means he's probably one of the judges there. And, he's, and so he's, he's, he's became known as a smart person. So they say, come help us with these decisions. And, and so eventually he gets a house and he lives inside the city and he has children. And, and he finds out that it's easier to raise children where there's things for them to do and people to talk to instead of just living out there on the field. And, and it's something that happens slowly over time because he stopped putting God first. He stopped making the wise decisions. He thought about other things. Surrender. to God that when he says we will do and as we say well I'm going to do what he says that leads us to ask for his guidance 
and say, well, how do I need his guidance? Well, I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time in in Bible study. I'm going to grow to live out that life, even when it seems difficult, not surrender. We sing that song, I Surrender All. But it's just part of your life, right? I just, I, he says, it's not just about making the decision to accept Christ. That's just the first part. It's about surrendering all to him. Not just our troubles, but our good things, our bad things. And so we examine the choices we make closely. We weigh the options. We, we see how will this affect ourselves? How will this affect others? How will this, will this show? How will this affect me down the line? And, 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 and Proverbs 22, 3 says, The prudent see danger and take ruches, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. A lot of times we treat life like it's, you know, we just look at the, the one step ahead, right? We don't think. How does this affect me later on in my life? Because we're all about instant gratification. A lot of times in our lives, that's what we are. We're all about the now. You know, that movie didn't hurt me now. It doesn't matter that it puts some ideas in your head that really shouldn't be there, and then you're going to have to wrestle with those ideas later on in your life. Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that is the folly and shame. A lot of times we like to make decisions without thinking. Some of you are like, well, it takes too long. I know some of you complain about me. It takes you too long to make a decision. Well, I know it does. It's because I'm trying to look at multiple options. And yes, sometimes that leads us to um, impasses. But we have to get the big picture. We have to go before God. And we have to remember that He's in control. And so we seek out His counsel. We seek out community. We seek out wise communities. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, For the lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. We're not supposed to do this alone. We're supposed to speak out wise counselors. And a lot of times, though, we seek out friendly advisors or people that are the wrong advisors. If they're not following, if they're not producing the fruit themselves, they're not the people you want to ask for advice. And we see this kind of stuff happen in in like Solomon's life. Remember that, that passage where he says, uh, you know, if you will, the, the, the people, the old, his advisors come to him and say, if you will uh, lighten the load of your father, they will love you forever. And he goes to his friends and says, um, uh, his friends tell him, well, I think you should put them under your feet and prove your power and uh, make their work more. Show them that you're the king now. And of course, that sounds good to him because he wants power and makes a bad decision and it leads to problems later on as he gets into problems with revolts and 
and the people hating him, and, and, and they don't produce work at all because they're in a civil war. And we have to recognize that we're not alone in our battles. We have to set up that process, have that process of seeking wise counsel. Having people in your life that can feed into you. Remember last week we talked about feeding into each other? Having that community that feeds into each other, brings, breathes life into each other. If you're not fostering those kind of relationships, you need to. Uh, in our world today, that can be your neighbor, or it can be that person that lives across the world that you're still talking to because the world is actually getting really small. You can FaceTime or Skype or you know Facebook or even make phone calls. Um, some of you still have the landline. I know you guys are still rocking the landline. Um, sometimes I miss the landline. It was cheaper and easier. You guys couldn't get a hold of me 24 hours a day. Um, But we're in a society, we don't have to be right next to each other to be in it. It can be that person that you trust that lives away. And we need to build those relationships, but they take time and effort. You have to take time out from yourself and say, well, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get that relationship going. And sometimes in our lives, I know from personal experience, sometimes in our life we're good at it. And sometimes in our lives we're not so good at it. We have to remind it to make those efforts and then put it in our calendar. That's what I do. I put it in my calendar to call people that I need to foster a relationship with. So I know this this time I'm calling this person. But as I think about this, I think about these next steps we can take. I think some of you in this room right now are taking are, are, are faced with huge decisions in your life. And you're trying to make these big decisions in your life. And all I can say is be faithful in the little things. Some of you are like, well, I'm never going to make a decision again. I'm retired and I'm going to die and that's all I've got left. In which case, you've already made your decision, which is probably not the best one for you or the people around you. That's just going to lead to your death. We have to say, well, what is the wisest thing for me in God's glory? And we have to begin to ask ourselves, how can I be faithful of all the little things? And we have to question ourselves, am I being faithful with this? Am I even trusting God with my, you fill in the blank, am I trusting God with my food situation? Am I trusting God with my sex situation? Am I trusting God with my money situation? Am I trusting God with my, my entertainment situation? Am I trusting God with my... Because we know that God will work it out. It may not look like we want Him to, like we want it to. I mean, who doesn't want a swimming pool in their backyard, right? It's hot here. But that may not be God's plan for you. Some of you already have them, so that's cool. You invite those of us who don't. I mean. <laughs> but what a blessing. But it's all about saying, how has God honored 
what brings the most glory to God in this decision? He's the king. Not us, not our wishes, not our desires, but him. And if we follow him, step by step, he's going to make our path straight. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I pray that you would help to guide our paths, Lord. I know that we struggle with what's right and what's wrong and, and how, what's the best decision in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would put all that aside and help us just focus in on you. Lord, that we would be honoring to you no matter where we find ourselves, Lord. Lord, that when it's time for us to, to move forward with something, you move us forward. When we're, it's time to sit and wait, and we wait. Lord, I pray that when we become uh, too complacent, that you wake us up. And when you, we become too agitated, you give us peace. And Lord, I pray that you help us to focus in on you and give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to go to a time of invitation.